Hey everybody, I'm Frankie. And I'm Daniel, and this is Propagated Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, after uh, a reasonable, <laughs> reasonable hiatus on our parts. Oh boy, October uh, was a lot. <laughs> yeah, what a what a fucking it was a month. Lot. We, I'm 30 now, though. Both of our yeah, I'm 29. We we did, we did both it. our birthdays. Got those out of the way. We did it. Happy birthday to us. Um, yeah, October was a lot, but now it's my favorite month. I'm excited about November. Um, all of the trees are very very beautiful in the southeast right now. It is very pretty outside. Mm-hmm. I will give it that. That is all. That is all <laughs> the love it will get from me because it is pretty. But that's it. Other than that, it sucks. I had to cut my heater off to record this episode. That's a that's a change. That's new. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's no fun. I mean, my, I had to cut my heater off too, but I'll be fine. <laughs> be fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's not that I like that you're yet. wearing a t-shirt and you're drinking ice water as if it's still the summer. <laughs> You know, as long as I let it live in my heart, maybe <laughs> maybe it won't feel like winter. <laughs> oh, yay. Well. I'm also still drinking tequila and uh, Modelo <laughs> like I'm sitting on the beach. But in my defense, I'm just going to call this preparation for Puerto Rico next week. Nice. So. Yeah, I went to Charleston for my birthday and it was really lovely. It was especially lovely because it was only locals. So, because apparently it's too cold for everybody else, but it was the perfect temperature. I love going to beach towns when it's not peak season because people are like, it's just more fun. You get to see all the actual local spots. It's not crowded. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And there's something eerily beautiful about cold beach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It like, it like goes from being the ocean and it becomes the sea. I've been writing poetry all week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really wish that it would. If it's going to get cold, I just want to get cold enough to kill all the fucking ragweed because I'm tired of having a runny nose. Yeah. I'm Are you talking about ragweed today? I'm not. Yeah. Well, maybe next week. <laughs> we. It will be next today week. Today we are covering a very interesting thing that I love because like, what is a weed? What is in a weed? You know, again poetry <laughs> to be or not to, to be to a weed, weed or not to weed um <laughs> but there's a lot of really cool weeds out there so this is probably going to be a two-parter potentially three-parter potentially mini episodes for our plant zaddies on patreon but we'll see we'll see what happens frankie i feel like the best way to start is with an article and i heard that you read a pretty cool one this week i found a really cool one um i'm gonna be honest my algorithms know me now so i don't even have to go looking for articles anymore my phone's just like hey have you read this thing about legumes and i'm like oh no i would like to read this thing about legumes but i would like to thank you (laughs) so thank you for this interesting thanks google you terrify me but here's this awesome article it's called Genetics discovery reveals how legumes give oxygen to symbiotic bacteria in their roots. It was pretty cool. Like we've talked before about how beans and legumes are nitrogen fixers. And this kind of went into more about the why and the genetics behind the why, which was really a cool read. Well, I'll definitely post this if you want to read it all on um, the website. So this research team found that 
these genetics inside legumes that control production of this oxygen-carrying molecule is that's responsible for the plant's close relationship with the nitrogen, the 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 bacteria that fixes the nitrogen. So okay. this these bacteria fix the nitrogen from the air into ammonia, which is this key nutrient for the plants. But the problem is that if there's too much oxygen, the oxygen will kill the enzyme that is used for this symbiosis. So it has to be like just the right amount of oxygen. So what they found is that legumes have a molecule called, <laughs> here we go, like hemoglobin. I keep wanting to say <laughs> goblin. Goblin. <laughs> it's this little goblin that lives in the plant. <laughs> leg hemoglobin globin like hemoglobin there we go i got it eventually that sound that one sounded like right hemoglobin. i'm gonna say that, that i'm gonna give that one the crown there <laughs> it is similar to um hemoglobin that's like in our blood you know which carries oxygen in our blood leg hemoglobin binds to oxygen and is also red which is kind of cool um and it gives legume nodules their pink color so, oh, yeah, interesting. Cool. So that's the molecule that is responsible for it. But until now, scientists are really kind of unclear about how the plants control how much production of that molecule like they make, you know. And so this research team found these two transcription factors that control how much of that is made in legume nodules. So it's basically like the first breakthrough on the gene regulation of that um, directly in control of nitrogen fixation. And it's exciting because potentially it means that they can give this to other plants and they can give this ability for other plants oh, cool. yeah, to produce ammonia from bacteria, which would reduce the need for fossil fuel dependent and polluting practices of applying synthetic fertilizer. So these plants would like you know, all be nitrogen fixers if we can figure out a way to translate it. Oh, wow. Yeah. How fucking Kind of cool. How fucking, that's so yeah. cool. It was cute because the scientists were like, we were doing just this just for fun and it was interesting for us, but then we found this really cool stuff. <laughs> Man, I think it's, this is another one of those times where I feel like I have to say, this is why... You need to know the difference between good and bad GMOs because yeah. that's a good, that's a good genetic modification yeah. that we could do. You yeah, know, totally. Um, but yeah, that's the gist of the article. There's a lot more, and it goes into who was in the research team, but it was a very long list of really awesome people. So check out the website; it'll be on there. Yeah, let's not butcher more names than <laughs> no. we need to. <laughs> Except I decided that I was going to do all the scientific names for every weed I'm talking about today. Same. <laughs> it's going to be a trip, y'all. It's going to be so much fun. I have a feeling there's someone out there that that's their favorite part of this episode is us just completely butchering the scientific names. Butchering. <laughs> and it's probably somebody that actually knows the proper way to say them, too. Like, has some intri like intrinsic knowledge of how to speak Latin. Shout out to you just giggling Sitting in your out there car just, like, or chuckling your living at room us. or wherever you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we don't do as bad as we think we do. Well, you know, no one's emailed us yeah, yet. I mean, we probably so. really do that. <laughs> Maybe they're afraid of us. They just don't want to email us because they're. 
Or maybe no I one mean, knows. I don't. I mean, Latin is a dead language. <laughs> End of the day, it is a dead language. So, Daniel, what is a weed? <laughs> what is a weed? Oh, to be oh, a weed be in the summer weed. fields. <laughs> um, As the saying goes, a weed is a judgment call. Yeah, so I think that, like, the definition of a weed kind of is broken up into different categories, right? So, like, you have a weed can be something that you consider a weed because it's unfortunate or unwanted in your space. Mm -hmm. Then you have, like, the government that defines invasive and noxious weeds Mm -hmm. as weeds that are damaging to an environment or to an ecosystem in some way. So it really just depends on the context in which you're using the word. Totally. I think, you know? Yeah. I mean, like most weeds have some sort of thing in common. They're generally unglamorous, although there are some that are very beautiful, like morning glories. I would yeah, I'm say. talking about gorgeous. I was about to say I'm talking about morning glories yeah. today and they're very yeah. pretty, but they are a weed. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, generally, people would describe a weed as a plant out of place, like you said, but it's just kind of biased human opinion. Right. Like pest plants are really just like they're not out of place. They're just out of place in the terms of like our society's purpose. Like a lot of weeds that I right. have been researching, they taint cow milk. So it's like farmers spend a huge amount. It's estimated $5 billion annually in you yeah. know, loss of crop and extensive weed control measures. Yeah. I'll be talking about some farming, a plant that is typically not loved by farmers myself today. So <laughs> It seems common with weeds, um, which I get. I mean, we need to eat. I was going to say we need to drink milk, but we don't really need to drink milk. <laughs> yeah, milk isn't, milk isn't an actual necessity, I don't think. I feel like that was one of the things that radicalized me was like the Got Milk campaign. Like as a kid, I was like, yeah, you gotta drink your milk. Yeah, calcium. And then as an adult, I'm like, what the fuck? Why did the government pay for this? <laughs> I mean, if we're like talking realistically, there was obviously a time and a place and a need for milk. I'm not like saying that there was never any realistic properties for milk that were beneficial, mm-hmm. you know, but I find that to be less true currently but we're also not a podcast about cows and milk no we're a podcast about plants so oat milk forever (laughs) how do you know your podcast podcasters are queer (laughs) when they literally plug oat milk (laughs) (laughs) openly on the podcast um but yeah the other thing about weeds is like in nature they often have like extremely useful functions like soil erosion or they'll have these adaptable functions and they'll be able to grow where other places can't like in the middle of concrete yeah absolutely weeds are fucking cool honestly but i do understand like there is a difference between some of these some of these are noxious in certain areas like sure. uh shout out to the golden guide of weeds gave me a lot of really good information. Um, one of the things that they mention that is common in most weeds is the ability to reproduce. Like a lot of weeds have really clever ways of reproducing, um, either by vegetation or seed delivery or even just seed production. Like a lot of weeds have these massive amounts of seeds that just like, you know, 
is a lot of what makes them noxious. I cannot wait to tell you all about the one that I have that has just an absurd amount of seeds. Like crazy shit. Seeds? Ten seeds. Well, you'll you'll find <laughs> out, Frankie. Be patient. Um, yeah. But like like weeds have a lot of benefits also. They're the first to pop up after fires, floods, plowing. They are protective. They stop erosion. They're used as food. They're used as medicine. They're used as dyes. They're used as pollination, uh, food providers, seeds for birds, you know, all kinds of stuff. They're kind of great if you look deeper into them and their uses, most of them. And I would like to advocate real quickly for eating your weeds. <laughs> Forage for yourselves. They wouldn't be so noxious if we used them appropriately just make sure that you're not getting them off the side of the road where you're going to be eating nasty yeah, things right don't eat petroleum <laughs> <laughs> all right so you want to go first yeah absolutely i cannot wait to tell you guys about mullen Ooh, i love mullen i started with one that is a summertime mainstay for me me and my grandma used to collect it all the time it's one of my favorites yeah, so let's just go ahead and get the butchery out of the way. <laughs> Mullen is scientifically known as Verbascum thapsus, I think. <laughs> Something like that. Verbascum thapsus or Verbascum thapsus. I'm not really sure. But it's kind of known because it's this tall, upright plant with, f like, fuzzy leaves. Some people call them donkey ears um, and yellow flowers from the huge stalks. And the flowers kind of like open up as it goes up the stalk. Um, and so the common name actually comes from the Latin mollus, which means soft. Aww. So there are a bunch of different, I mean, there are a lot, obviously, with plants that are this widespread, there are going to be lots of different names for it. Some of my favorites that I found were velvet leaf, flannel plant. Flannel plant. Big Taper and Cowboy Toilet Paper. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> Which I don't know. I know I that one. I've heard so, that one. <laughs> that's so cute and funny to me. I don't know why. It just made me, but it made me chuckle. So, I mean, it would be a soft. It would be like it would be like a Sarman soft soft roll, you know. <laughs> Charmin <It's> soft. <laughs> soft. So, I can't say those words. Apparently, Whoa, I can't say yeah. Charmin and, and soft There's together because that one was fucking me up. Is it Charmin or Charmin? Charmin? It's, it's Charmin soft toilet paper tongue twister <laughs> there we go but yeah <laughs> i um i actually fun fact have used mullen before in the woods and it, it it's works a reasonable great. choice nice and soft on your it's a reasonable choice on your sweet little butt um but since we're talking about it today mullen is considered an invasive plant in 20 states Really? So that includes Wisconsin, Ohio, Illinois, and every western state. But it's so useful. But it takes over. Uh. And I also didn't know that Mullen was not native to the west at all and actually was native to Eurasia and Africa oh. originally. Interesting. Yeah. Um, common Mullen was introduced to the U.S. in the 1700s and was noted making it to Michigan in 1839 as the first note we have of it, like, doing its westward migration. Hmm. 
So the reason that Mullen is classified as a weed and is able to become invasive is because it is an incredibly prolific seed producer. So literally the seeds, not only can a seed last for more than a hundred years. What? Dormant. Yeah. <laughs> literally a mullein seed can lie dormant in water or open. No, it can lie dormant in open soil for a hundred years before germinating. What a babe. I love it. A study in Denmark actually successfully germinated a common mullein seed from an archaeological soil sample <gasps> dated to 1300 AD. What? That's so cool. How fucking wild is that, right? It's so fucking crazy. <laughs> That's so but cool. At the maximum, the maximum recorded amount of seeds from one single plant was 232,000. Wow. Just like... But on average, a parent plant produces 100,000 to 180,000 seeds per plant. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of seeds. That's a lot of seeds. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was so fucking crazy that, 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 that there's that many seeds, you know, on one plant. Yeah. Well, that's a common indicator of weeds like we talked about before. Yeah. But when you talk about mullein, it has a myriad of anecdotal and homeopathic uses as well you know mm -hmm. uh that includes reductions of cough congestion bronchitis mm -hmm. asthma and lesser known constipation pain inflammation migraines and gout mm -hmm. like my grandma when i was growing up always told me that it was good as an expectorant to like yeah. clear up your chest that kind of thing uses it in a tea or whatever mm -hmm. Um, I had never really heard of constipation, pain, inflammation, and migraine and gout, though. Those were new to me. But by the late 1800s, mullein actually became a popular treatment for people with tuberculosis in Europe, the States, and the UK. So that's kind of, I thought that was kind of well, a cool piece sense, of history like that mullein, yeah. No, no, absolutely. It's yeah. sensible because it's a, it, it is an expectorant. Yeah. I just thought it was cool that like mullein kind of has like this big, big deal behind it you know yeah yeah it's in the big leagues like <laughs> i feel compelled to say that obviously we talk a lot about plants and their uses and herbalism on this show all of this is based on anecdotal experiences hmm. so like just do your research before yeah. you start like fucking around with this shit i feel like it would be wrong for me not to say that at some point every sure. episode that we talk deeply about stuff like this you know yeah disclaimer 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 also mullein tea is one of the best things i've ever oh had oh my god it's so ever. good it's so good it works so well i really wish i had some when i had covid oh i bet you should have texted me i bet my grandma has dried mullein at her house yeah next time i have a cold i have some now but yeah we need to go but foraging on your grandma's land. We do. Why haven't we done that We yet? really do. It's on the list. We're so good at doing things. <laughs> We're so great at it. <laughs> so great at it. Last thing about mullen. Historically, mystically, mullen was used as a potent charm against demons, mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting, but at the same time was also considered to be witches and warlocks preferred torch because mm -hmm. mullen actually works very well as a torch. It yeah. burns like relatively slowly, but also like well and stays lit for a long time and easily once it's dry. Yeah. And mullein seeds were used as a fishing aid because you'd throw them out. Yeah, I thought I thought this was so crazy, so I had to include it. 
So if you throw mullein seeds out into the water and they get eaten by whatever fish, there's a couple of chemicals in the seeds that make fish inactive when they eat it. Whoa. And so you can literally like hand grab fish if they'll eat the mullein seeds. How? It like makes them, it like dopes them up. <laughs> so cool you can just like hand that? grab them. Wow. I thought that was so fucking wild. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But, uh, Cool. That's it. That's 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 what I have to say about mullen. I thought that uh, mullen is a great, cool plant, and for me, it's a it's a sign of like the dog days of summer. You know, like high, hot summertime is punctuated with the long stalks of mullen and bright yellow flowers. Oh, I love it. Yeah, classic. Um, I have a friend, an herbalist around here named Britt, who started a company named Torches. And their logo is literally a mullen plant on fire, like a torch. And I love that. It's an awesome business. What a you should good check it out. logo. Yeah, they do like smoke bundles and um, cigarettes, all you know, like herbal cigarettes, that sort of thing. It's pretty cool. Hell yeah. I'll have to look into that. I'll, I'll, maybe I, that's what I should do is start trying to, because I don't really love smoking cigarettes. It's a social thing for me. Mm. So it might be cool to like try something a little bit less damning and damaging than actual cigarettes if they actually taste good. I think part of why I'm so stuffy today is yesterday I had a smoke day and I saged the whole house and then I did um, a slow simmer of like apples and oranges and cloves and cinnamon and cayenne pepper, all kinds of stuff. My house smells amazing. Um, but then I also was like like smoking an herbal cigarette inside. So right. I feel like I was just like living in this hazy opium den all day it's yesterday. opium den, right? I love that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Daniel, I heard you have a toothache. Can I tell you about a weed that is typically used for toothaches? Yeah, absolutely. Is it available right now, or are you about to tell me about something I can't get until next year? <laughs> no. Have you heard of a little beauty called yarrow? <laughs> Ooh, yarrow! I love yeah, yarrow. Actually, I'm not. I'm not hyper familiar, but I, it's a very beautiful weed, oh, yes. if you will. Yes, one of my favorite smells on planet Earth is yarrow. It smells so good, mm -hmm. which I learned today. It's used in a lot of shampoos for its smell and its astringent qualities. Who knew? Wow, that actually makes a lot of sense in my brain now that it's said out loud, but I probably would have never put two and two together there. Yeah, yeah. So, my friend Yarrow, our, oh gosh, <laughs> Achillea millifolium. That sounded right. Hey, that sounded yeah. professional. Yeah. That sounded so good. Look at me go. Hair flip. First try, even. <laughs> first try. I can't believe it. I think that might be a first oh, for this show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do I win the podcast award? <laughs> I think you do. I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to start. I'm going to commission a trophy right now. It's going to happen. I've got you. Uh, it is from the Asteraceae family, which is, you know, very big flowering family. Yarrow is a very cute plant. It grows pretty tall, some species. It, it usually comes in yellow or white or some sort of golden in between. Uh, one of my favorite yarrows that I used to use in floral design a lot is called cottage yarrow, and it's this beautiful red or peach color. Peach yarrow, mm, best color in the entire world. So beautiful. One of my favorite flowers ever. I love that. So it looks like it's like a stalk and then it has these leaves coming off of it that have these little like mm, how do i describe it it's very fern like 
Like it's got lots of yeah. leaves coming off and smells amazing. Looks so cute. I think Yara is so pretty. It's so pretty. It's like it's like dainty in a way that's like very aesthetic, totally. almost lacy. Yes, it's lacy you know, on like the top. It's got a very but cool. But it's also really hefty. Like yarrow, yeah. if you if you use it as a cut flower in your kitchen or whatever, it will last like three weeks easy. It has all these tiny little flowers on top of, you know, little stems that kind of form this umbrella-shaped head over one stalk. Mm-hmm. And it's been used for a really long time in all kinds of things, all kinds of things. It's been used for fevers. It's been used of absence of menstruation. It can induce menstruation. It's been used for... I've used it multiple times for poultices, for rashes or sunburns or cuts. Um, It's used, like I said, in shampoos because it's an astringent or facial cleansers. Uh, The leaves can be used in a tea for colds, which I've used it in conjunction with, um, like you said, mullein before. I've made a mullein in your Mm -hmm. tea. Uh, Historically, it was used a lot um, by Native peoples for stomach disorders anything gastrointestinal like oh you have some gas oh you have ibs you have any kind of those symptoms it's been used for that um the leaves ingested it's also you can put the leaves in a bath for stomach or uh, menstruation cramps it helps with that and like i said toothache if you chew the leaves apparently it helps with toothaches there have been no studies on it but a lot of people say it helps (laughs) Well, I'm going to need you to bring me yeah, some. <laughs> I got you some. I've got a whole jar. <laughs> um, apparently, it's also good for blood pressure, and it's an anti-inflammatory. But if you're not using mm-hmm. it as medicine, you can eat the young leaves and flowers and salads. I feel like chefs need to ju- like get on that train of like using some... Yeah. some Because like, how pretty would that be if you got a sal- uh, salad and it had yarrow totally. flour in it? I mean, I'm sure it's a little bitter for a lot of people's tastes. But like, who cares? Like, we want different flavors I mean, and salads. Paired, paired with the right, like, vinaigrette or, <laughs> or like, put it in with some blue yeah. cheese and let the bitter hit the bitter. You know, like, get that shit. Feta, baby. I don't know. <laughs> the a lot of the problem with yarrow, it's one of those ones that farmers really fight because the bitterness of yarrow. If cattle eat it, it will taint the milk and make it kind of bitter. So. Um, one more fun fact about yarrow, and then I will be ready to give this beautiful baby up. It is commonly used by starlings to line their nests. That's so fucking cute and makes a lot of sense because I bet that's comfy and it smells good. So like, yeah, yeah, it probably smells amazing. Can birds smell? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a biologist. (laughs) If you know if birds can smell, will you please email us at propagatedpodcast at gmail.com? Olifactory senses. Well, they have noses. They have noses on their little beaks. Can birds smell? Oh, my God. I love the aggressive typing that just happened. Can birds smell? <laughs> don't laugh. Birds don't have noses. They lack the vomerosonasal organ that most mammals, amphibians, and reptiles use to detect odor particles. But apparently they can smell. I don't know. It's fun facts to know, though. Listen, it's very important. (laughs) All right. Now that we know that birds can kind of smell, but not really, uh, what's next, Daniel? (laughs) 
right, so I kind of did the most fun ones first on my list today, for me at least, because they both have, like, childhood memories, like, nostalgia behind them a little bit. But I chose American Pokeweed next. Ooh, I've got lots of Pokeweed in my garden. <laughs> so, Phytolaca Americana. Phytolaca. I love it. Phytolaca. I think I said that right this time, and I'm not even going to try again. So Great. You're just going to go it. for that. Look at us learning. Living and learning. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> oh, I hated that. I really sorry. did. I'm sorry. <laughs> did you, I, 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 can't, I can't work on a podcast where live, life, lo- live laugh, love is a thing. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> too you, much for me. Do you know me. that TikTok sound that's like, how am I supposed to live, laugh, love in these conditions? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the podcast right now for you. <laughs> oh jesus all right back to pokeweed not live laugh love (laughs) the pokeweed so pokeweed itself is a really beautiful plant i think i think um it kind of has a negative connotation behind it because it is poisonous Mm -hmm. but aesthetically it looks like an octopus yeah aesthetically it's a really fucking cool plant so these plants are usually anywhere from six to ten feet tall which was always fun for me i always thought it was so cool how big they would get wait what mine is only up to like my belly button it can get to six to ten feet tall yeah as adults usually people cut them down but if they're like and this is also like they're native to the southeastern U.S. So if you go a little bit more south, they actually never go away. They'll bloom year round. Wow, interesting. Okay. Yeah, in a little, a little bit further south. But yeah, I mean, I, when I was doing my research, I found occurrences of them being over twenty-one feet tall, which is <laughs> fucking absurd. I can't, wow, yeah, twenty-one feet. That's that's big. Bigger than a house. Big boys. Interesting. But um, so essentially. Kind of like Frankie said, they almost look a little bit like an octopus. They kind of have like these large hollow stems so that like when they're older and hardier, they are kind of rigid at the base and at the top. They're very flexible and kind of droopy and pretty. And they have cute small little flowers that end up turning into dark purple berries. Yes. And the stems can be anywhere from green to purple, too. So it's kind of just like this really pretty green, red, purple plant that just pops up. Looks very, looks almost like tropical and alien Mm -hmm. for the landscape, really. Definitely an alien looking plant. in, In my experience, I feel like they are typically growing in more moist areas, like next to creeks or little ravines stuff is my experience with them or personally Frankie's garden where they often overwater <laughs> it, that also would be <laughs> a- applicable applicable in that situation I have so much pokeweed and it's like so hard to pull out because their tap roots are so sturdy and it's oh it's miserable so that is part of why they're called a weed <laughs> is because while they are native to the southeastern united states they have begun increasingly popping up around the Pacific Northwest as well. It's thought that they were brought there for landscaping interest because it is a pretty, it's a pretty plant. It really is. It's mm-hmm. an attractive looking plant. Um, and while it starts off small, it can grow quickly. And the berries, while poisonous to humans, are not poisonous for birds. Really? Hmm. So, yeah, birds can eat the fuck out of them. 
But because of that, they're also shitting out the seeds everywhere. Uh, and that causes the spread of the plant, gotcha. you know, because they're obviously an attractive berry. So birds are going to go for it. And especially since they're not going to get sick from it, it's just like a free snack, you know, and they're pretty fruitful when it comes to fruiting. Yeah. So the entire plant is poisonous. Um, and, and it can cause a variety of symptoms, every, anything from vomiting to extreme cases of diarrhea and in very rare cl- places. And in very rare cases, it can even cause death. Mm. The berries, which although beautiful, are actually the most poisonous part of the plant. Mm. But not saying you should go out there and do this because it's a fine line you're drawing here. Young leaves and stems, when cooked properly, are actually edible. Uh huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's actually a really good source of protein, fat, and carbohydrates. And that's where poke. What? I'm not sure if it's worth the risk. (laughs) No, it's probably it's absolutely not. I'm just saying it. (laughs) If gathered and cooked properly. It is a a good source of protein, fat, and carbohydrates for what it is. Yeah. And that is actually where, like, one of the regional names for the plant is poke salad, which comes from poke salad because you can cook it and put it in a salad. It's, like, been eaten before. Yummy, yummy. (laughs) (laughs) No. Sorry, the wiggles don't belong in this podcast either, though, huh? I'm just live, laugh, loving nope, over nope, here, nope, Daniel. Nope. Just live, laugh, loving the fuck out of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the fruits are actually really important food in the ecosystems where it grows. Mockingbirds, northern cardinals, and morning doves get a large portion of their diet in the summertime from from pokeberry. That was cute. Interesting. Um, as far as its uses... So the root itself can be made into a poultice for rheumatism and bruises and sprains and swelling. It's a drawing, like it's supposed to draw when you put it on, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Leaves are an emetic. So like if you need to vomit, the leaves tend to be an an option for that. (laughs) Hold Uh, up. Hold up one second. I got to puke. Let me just go get some poke. Yeah. I thought that it was pretty cool. Folk remedies in the Ozarks, which I thought was kind of wild because I, I always think of like Pokeberry as this like specifically Southern thing. Mm. But in the Ozarks, folk remedies require one Pokeberry a year, just one, as a preventative or treatment for arthritis. Hmm. Thought that was curious. Almost like the, if you eat young poison ivy, you won't you'll be immune to it. Kind of st- shit, you know. I don't know. I thought I was, I thought was curious. Some studies. <laughs> I agree. I agree <laughs> in the science. I agree in science behind that. But that's not. I'm just telling you the holistic methods of the Ozark peoples. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and then when you're talking about some more spiritualist, spiritualistic type stuff, pokeweed was used as a obviously as a purgative and so in some shamanic rituals it was used to remove evil from people ah um but also adversely there were some pagans that believed that consuming a small amount of pokeweed tea 
could give you courage. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool. And this is a fact that I didn't do any extra research other than reading on a blog about it, and it could be a lie. So that's that. But it is said that the Declaration of Independence for the United States was written with pokeweed-derived ink. I can see that. It's pretty easy to make pokeweed ink. I've also made pokeweed dye. It makes the best pink color. Uh, let's let's Google it. Declaration of Independence, pokeweed ink, the ink of freedom. <laughs> Hated that also. <laughs> yeah, I mean, several sources. I think you might be right. There you go. And that's pokeweed. We love it. We love an alien plant. I guess it's my turn again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you got? 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 So my next one is a little bit different. It's mostly in like desert regions, uh, dry areas. It thrives where a lot of other plants can't. It is bindi, also known as goat heads, also known as puncture vine, which if you know what I'm talking about, you are already cringing at how painful this plant is. I don't I honestly don't think I know hardly anything about this. Oh, I'm so excited to tell you all about this. I can't wait to learn about something that is apparently terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a rite of passage. Um I don't know where else it grows, but in New Mexico it's a rite of passage. My family lives in Albuquerque and I lived in Santa Fe for over three years. You know, people always talk about stepping on Legos. There is nothing worse than stepping on a goat head. It is worse than stepping on a Lego. Like, absolutely. So, wait. God, like, but I, I, I have to look up a picture. Yes. Google, it's the seed pod. I'm not going to be satisfied until I know what this looks like. I will tell you it's in the, the Keltrop family. Literally the Keltrop family. Goat <laughs> head. You said it's the seed pod? Mm-hmm. I love how one of the first, like, uh suggested things is a uh, seed removal <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah oh my god of course that's worse than legos what the yeah. fuck Frankie? it can literally puncture a bike tire absolutely not and in no way shape form or fashion <laughs> is this beneficial this is terrible <laughs> so this I, is this plant's sneaky way of reproducing is it produces these seeds that cling onto you which, okay, whatever, but then it comes into your house, and then your two-year-old baby niece steps on one and cries for, like, three hours, and your heart breaks, and you're like, welcome, you are now officially a New Mexican. <laughs> you got it. You, you did the thing. You did the thing, the, the, the painful thing. You got yourself there. It's horrible. Congrats. It's basically stepping on a thumbtack. Like, if you want to see what this looks like, Google it, or you know what? We'll have it on our that Instagram. That is precisely what it looks yeah. like. Yeah, it's basically a thumbtack. <laughs> I'm. I. I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can say how bothered I am, and how happy I am that in the South we did not. We have plenty of terrible things that could bite you. But I don't know about. I don't know. That's bad. Everything in the desert is painful. <laughs> yeah, no one's. No one's supposed to live in the desert. I don't know how y'all do it. Shout out to everyone living in the desert right now. <laughs> so, goat heads, aka bindi, B-I-N-D-I-I. It's 
scientific name is Tribulus terrestris, and it is in the Caltrop family, like I said. Uh, <laughs> Tribulus is Caltrop in Latin, which a Caltrop, if you don't know, is like a spiky weapon. Uh, yeah, and it's basically a spiky weapon, the seeds. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Feel that. The way it's able to survive in like these really dry desert climates is it has these tap roots that sends out these really long, fine rootlets that take advantage of the moisture and gather any moisture that they can. And it survives. And it's actually a really pretty plant. It's like very sweet little dark leaves that have these beautiful yellow flowers in them. Yeah, the flowers are really cute. Yeah, they're cute. But um, <laughs> I guess maybe I'm like traumatized like <laughs> from my brother going, don't step over there. Those are goat heads. <laughs> like you avoid them at all costs because you don't want to get that you know, the seed pods on your pants and bring them into your house or in your shoes. Like they really get Man, stuck in the treads of your shoes a lot. It looks like they're like m mad small too. I'm, yeah. I'm still just freaking out over how miserable these things look. Yeah. They're like the size of a pea. I would say they can be a little bigger, but they're pretty. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to step on one. Like if it can literally puncture a bike tire, you don't want to step on it barefoot. <laughs> right through, right through. I learned today that the leaves and the shoots of the bindi plant are eaten in East Asia. Apparently, they're edible. I mean, we got we love an edible plant. So totally, and even more than that, we love a medicinal plant. And this plant, apparently, I learned this on WebMD. So you know, studies have been done. <laughs> <laughs> it's an incredibly reliable source. <laughs> <laughs> WebMD said it might be helpful in lessening symptoms of angina and enhancing athletic performance. Apparently, it's like really good for your heart. It actually co, like it, like it interacts if you're taking a beta blocker. You don't want to, you know, take it because they fight with each other. And apparently, some studies show benefits to quote unquote certain sexual issues. So, no idea what that means. Man, why do I feel like, why do I feel like if I step on one of these and WebMD finds out, it's going to tell me that I'm cancerous? Yeah, right. <laughs> like. But yeah, and apparently it also helps with infertility. But I don't know. I wouldn't ever go close enough to the plant to find any of that out. So Frankie's like, I've had my trauma with yeah. this plant. I'm done. I've, had, I've done my part. <laughs> my problem was that I wore like really thin sandals and so they would get stuck in it and like you couldn't, like they would just be stuck in there and so it would always feel like you're stepping on a stone. No, that's very annoying. Yeah, very annoying. Do not recommend. Anyways, that's the goat head plant. Man, what a plethora of knowledge to be gained. Oh, I also meant to say that it is considered a noxious weed in quite a few states and also in Canada. Whoa. It goes all the way up to Canada? Yeah, apparently it's What is like... its range? What is it what is its range? All right, I'm, let's find I'm, out. I'm let's curious find about this little plant. Because like I feel like I know nothing about this plant, so I don't feel like it's in the southeast. Or at least not in the mountains. It's native to the Mediterranean region. And it is widespread from Southern Europe, Southern Asia, Africa, New Zealand, Australia, uh, across the Western United States and Central and South America. It 
appeared in California in the 20th century and distributed northward to the south central region of British Columbia. So it kind of just, you know, did its thing. It clung to our pants and went all over. (laughs) That's crazy. Hmm. I love any, I love, I love learning about a plant that I'm not familiar with. Wikipedia literally says thumbtack like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. I honestly, if you haven't already at this point, just go to our Instagram and look at the picture of this plant. It's fucking absurd. Excuse me. Wikipedia has a picture of a foot with like 12 goat heads in the foot. Ow. Oh, content warning. Yeah. I like kind of want to look at that, but also like don't. Like, I don't. No, you I don't. I feel like look I should see it. that. <laughs> Ugh, I still feel so bad for my little baby niece. Like she, ugh. My brother was like, "I'm so sorry, but welcome." <laughs> Dude, do you know something that I didn't realize? This is totally off topic and adjacent. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but fucking the you know like the little whirly gigs that come off of um maples, maple trees. Yeah. When they dry out and are on your porch, they are horrible they will cut your foot wait really they're so sharp like paper cuts like maple cuts like so they're so sharp because they have like the little like you know weighted end right yeah, so the yeah. weighted end where uh-huh. the seed actually is has like a little point to it oh yeah yep i saved a bunch of japanese maple seeds because they're so beautiful and red and i've been using them in my artwork and i've definitely stabbed my finger a few times with them mm-hmm. it's crazy it just i I've never really thought about it because i don't wear i don't not wear shoes outside that often unless i'm next to water sure so it's always summertime you know so they're not out as much yeah i never wear shoes ever i can tell you everything that hurts but then also i have hobbit feet so i feel like i'm kind of immune to most things fair enough i'm not i have i used to have hobbit feet now i have thin skin feet have you heard of this thing called goblin core it's like cottage core's feral sister Oh, yeah, I absolutely have. And that shit is exactly (laughs) what you are. Yeah, 110%. It's like has dead moths and bones in house. I'm like, check, check. It's like always is barefoot. I'm like, check. (laughs) Never washes hair. Check, check, check. (laughs) I don't think I'm, I mean, I don't think I'm goblin core. No, I think you're something darker. I think I'm just like moss, frog and toad, uh, like worms. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) You're the you're like where I learned that I should keep the first leaf I see fall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, hey, if anyone has a uh, blah 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 core name for Daniel's aesthetic, hit us up. Propagated podcast at gmail.com. Uh where else can you find us, Daniel? You can find us literally everywhere. But if you want to make it really easy, you can just run on down to propagatedpodcast.com. And it's going to give you links to every social media that we are, we are on. It's going to give you links to any kind of content you could want from us. Even our Patreon, if you want to support us in that way, you can find us there. But our website's going to link you right there. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just talking. I feel like I'm rambling about Did you the know website. that podcasting is just talking? <laughs> I mean, that is very accurate. <laughs> But no, I'm doing I think a lot of it, it aimlessly right now. <laughs> so we have some new patrons to shout out. Our new plant saddies joining us over on Propagated Podcast Patron, pa- Patreon. 
which you can also find on the website. We have to say a very warm and heartfelt thank you to Duncan Brown. Thank you, Duncan. We also have a big heartfelt welcome and thank you so much to say to Aggie. What a cute name. Aggie. Aggie. Yeah. A-G-G-Y. Aggie. Aggie. I love it. I love that name. Love so it. cute. Love you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being our plant zaddy. Plant zaddies. And I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say? I feel like that's kind of the end. I think that's kind of the end. I feel like, I feel like that's it. I think we did good. Love yeah. you guys. Love y'all. It's great. See you next time. We'll, we'll talk Eat to you again wings. very soon. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.